You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Yes, I think we're good. I think we are good. Does it mean that everything is like beautifully green and... Yeah. You want me to show you? Hey, look, I'll show you my garden. Because I don't think... you. Did you see my garden last time? Oops. Can you see that? Can you see that? Oh yeah, wow. So over there, that's my bedroom. That, that's our house and then I'm in one of the spare rooms. And uh, that will be where the deck is, where all of that construction wood and stuff is. And then it obviously goes out to here too. Yeah, we've got quite a big garden. Um, but it does look very modern from the outside. You said you had quite a bit of work, work done. What well, Alex, welcome to the She's Unshangled podcast. Take number two. We have done this podcast once before and don't know where it went to. So this is our second take. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Fingers crossed this one won't disappear into the middle of nowhere. Um, so thanks for jumping on with us today. I'm so excited to get everyone to hear your story again. Um, now, especially that I know even more about you, which is awesome. Um, so, I mean, let's let's start off back to where where we started off last time. Well, obviously, Alex is a big mountaineer lady, uh, has been through so many different challenges, done all of the things that anyone who loves mountains wants to do. Um, and doesn't even seem to think that they're that hard. I do remember you saying that you didn't even think that it was that big a deal. Um, but we've got some fun stories to share with you today. So Alex, why don't you um, take it off and share a little bit more about what got you into what you're doing now and how did you get into big, your big adventure self? Hey, thank you very much for this second opportunity and having me on the podcast again. It's it's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure. It's so nice to see you and so nice chatting with you. So thanks so much. Um, I'm currently in the Swiss Alps. So I moved to the Swiss Alps last year during the pandemic. I realized that I need to follow my dreams and my dreams was to live in the big mountains and um, I packed up my car, I put my bike, save my camping gear, um, some of my summer and winter stuff, and drove over, like, just like that. I left Leafy Wimbledon, southwest London, at the end of June last year, and uh, here I am in the Swiss Alps, and I'm still here. <laughs> still going. And I'm still going, still kicking. <laughs> and what, what got me into the mountains was... Um, I, I, I used to be working for, um, I used to be a marketing professional and I used to be working for uh, small to large um, education institutions and my last job was quite a full-on 
international traveling kind of non-stop for two and a half years mm -hmm. and I started burning out and I remember thinking I just want to do something for myself. Um, I quit that job thinking I love marketing, I love my job, I love my team but I wanted to do something for myself and I got into photography and I had zero patience for anything landscape. <laughs> I was a, a motorsport, a sport photographer, you know, following Formula One races, um, uh, photographing like really special moments like weddings and um, some really, really cool projects. And one day I thought, hey, what do I really suck at? And that was landscape <laughs> photography. And I thought, okay, I, I'm really not good at it. What can I do about it? Um, so I would just drive over to the Alps or go up to go up to the Kangor Mountains in, in Scotland with my camera and my tent and trying to figure out if this was for me. Um, I even went to the Nepal Himalayas. I just went I, I just went there with my camera for three weeks. It was winter. I had no clue. <laughs> I had no clue that the, the, the hiking season is not in the winter. But I kind of just rocked up with my camera. I'm like, okay, let's let's go for a nice track for three weeks on my own. And I remember, oh Flora, I remember this moment just standing on the top of Gokyori. Um, early morning and watching the sun rising behind Everest and I remember taking pictures and, and inside in my belly I just had this I just had this feeling that I've got the, I've got the right photo and I put the camera on the rock next to me and I was just watching and I was saying I say good goosebumps when I talk about it I'm just watching the sun rising this giant yellow ball behind <laughs> Everest and all the 78,000 meter peaks behind. And my tears just kind of flowing down my cheeks. I'm like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember this moment so vividly and so clearly, like I think it was yesterday. And I would come back from the trip and do more trips in the Alps and up in the Scottish mountains. And I managed to accumulate um, a gallery of pictures. I started exhibiting my photos. And then this idea to climb the seven summits, um, the highest mountain in each country, it really came from photography. It really, it really was born as a photography project. Just, um, just for the listener's sake, when you were standing watching Everest, tell people a little bit about the point that you were standing at. Because I think you kind of just brush it off. <laughs> like most people don't, most people wouldn't just take, go up there just to take a photo. So. <laughs> right. So um, I planned this three-week solo trekking kind of Himalayan trekking and I didn't just want to go to Everest Base Camp and back I wanted to go to a place called the Gokyo Lakes so at this point you are at five six thousand meters and there's this peak called Gokyo Ri and I figured I did do some research <laughs> beforehand <laughs> just, just went hiking <laughs> I figured if if I wake up like really crazy o'clock and I hike up this peak, um, I could race the sun going up and I could get there just in time for the sun to rise behind Everest. So the whole idea was to take some photos of 
of the mountains and of, of the sunrise pretty much mm. uh, from a view from an angle that people wouldn't normally see or or go to. You know, there are stunning sunset images from Kalapatar, um, but from the sunrise, there isn't really much. And the reason for that is, is that's quite interesting. When you are at Everest Base Camp, you can't see Everest. Yeah, for sure. So It's weird that. It's weird that yeah, people kind of hike up there and then you're like, oh. It's weird because Everest is kind of hiding behind... Um, kind of hiding behind the kind of the lotty face and you've got the, the western coop so it's all a little bit kind of behind you yeah. can't quite see it from from base camp and i figured hey if i go to another area and it's absolutely beautiful colors are like turquoise blue and green and you've got this duck family living there like <laughs> this duck family there and nothing else really um, that's bizarre very very, very um, mind-blowing and breathtaking, mm. literally breathtaking up there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can imagine. But I think, yeah, you well, you kind of just mention it and just brush it off like you just went for a, a couple of hours hiking and took some photos of Everest, but that's just definitely not the case for anyone who's listening. It's not just a simple little hike. I've hiked up to 5,000 metres and it's not... Um, 5,000 feet I can't even remember no it must be meters uh, and it's not that um it's not that short it's, it's there's a lot of altitude stuff that you have to deal with as well so it's a whole journey in itself um and then so tell us a little bit about the the seven summits when you were doing that sure so I already had this three week hike yeah <laughs> And under my belt, so I was like, hey, I'm, a, no, I'm, I'm an experienced doing. mountaineer. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So when, um, when I came up with this idea to climb the highest mountain on every continent as a photographer, so at the end there would be a photography exhibition, um, I, I realized that you need a little bit more training perhaps. So I went on a three-day one-on-one Scottish winter mountaineering training and I didn't even tell my instructor I just really wanted to gain some experiences <laughs> <laughs> and I figured okay three days that's all I have time for now um, but I you know in more seriousness I do have a huge amount of respect for the mountains and I wouldn't have started it with Everest mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was you know, I sat down, I looked at where these mountains were, um, how high they were, how cold uh, you would have to climb in. And, and I set up a plan. They all have um, what we call um, a weather window. So, for example, you couldn't go to Argentina, Aconcagua in June. You know, uh, yeah. you have to go there when it's the season yeah. for that particular mountain. So I set up a plan and I set up an order as well, an order of um, how accessible they are, how experienced I was at the time. So I could, from each mountain, I could learn from, I could gain experience, I could get get used to the altitude, get used to the technical climbing. Yeah. Um, and and. And, and then I could build on my experience. So I started with Albrus, Europe's highest mountain in Russia, in the Caucasus Mountains. And that was two months after I came up with the idea. So everything started happening really, really fast. 
so I came up with the idea in April 2014, and um, and in June I was I was in the summit of Elbrus. It was a, it was a blizzard, and I remember standing on the top floor and I was looking around and I couldn't <laughs> see a single thing. And I was thinking, this is this is what it's going to be like. It, it's going to be a whiteout, and I can't even take a picture. <laughs> I'm here with my camera. I've got there's a backpack full of gear, camera gear, and I can't even take a single picture. <laughs> so of course that was the first mountain. I was really naive. Um, I, you know, I, I had this kind of romantic image in my head that I'm going to be standing on, you know, bluebird sky day every time and take stunning <laughs> photos. And the reality is not that. You know, the reality is that we were going to bed around eight, nine o'clock in the evening with the team. And the, the mountain guys said, look, guys, I will wake you up in a couple of hours, but there is a storm coming in and I'm not sure we're going to be going to the summit tonight. Mm. And the reality is that you then wake up in the middle of the night and you are so nervous inside. You um, you haven't had to say your sleep and you are stepping outside in the freezing cold. Yeah you know, your first mountain experience and they're attaching you on the road with the rest of your team. And and you are in all sorts of trouble, you know, your your stomach, your your mind, you want to sleep. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on, but but that is the reality. Um, but in my head, I just figured, hey, I just put all my camera gear in my, in my rucksack. <laughs> I'm going to be taking all these pictures. So that was a bit of a reality check. And, you know, every stop we had, one by one, my teammates were turning around. They were calling it quits. I was like, wow, okay. Um, I don't want to. I, I want to see how far I can push myself. And these were guys who... who done this a lot. Who had experience, yeah. you know, already at altitude. So it was really, really interesting to for me to experience and have my first mountain experience of the Southern Summits that things don't quite go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still went going. You still kept going. Oh, I still kept going. <laughs> um, and so, obviously... Um, this podcast is all about courage and, and getting through things that aren't as easy as we think that they are. Uh, I'd love to know, is there a time where you did maybe think about not just turning around, but quitting the whole thing? Um, maybe it just, you're just like, what am I doing? Am I wasting my time? Or had that, you just got to the point where you're just like, this is awesome. Like all these, these different places I'm going, like what was going through your mind? Well, each expedition and each mountain had its difficulties and challenges. And sometimes the challenge was perhaps the lead up, you know, it could mm -hmm. be either financial challenges that um, you really want to spend all your time, you know, working full time, training for the mountain, but you also have to spare time and, you know, to get some partners, some sponsors on board, or just try to get that money you need for the expedition. Some some places, some trips, the, the challenges came during, so the lead-up was great, you would stay fit and healthy, 
but something goes wrong during and that could be weather related that could be um that could be related to the actual expedition that the way they organize things or, or or the guide or you know things that happen that you can't sometimes really plan for and yeah. out of your control that you have to deal with right there and then yeah for sure have you got an example of of something that happened that wasn't uh oh, yeah. weather related <laughs> yeah go on give it to us <laughs> well um probably one of the mentally toughest times i ever ever had on a trip was on aconcagua i booked this trip for christmas again this is a mountain that you can't really just climb any time of the year kili is for example kilimanjaro but aconcagua you need to be there pretty much December, January. So you have two months in oh, really? year to climb the mountain. Yeah. Wow. And I planned it for Christmas. Um, I really wanted to be up on the mountain for Christmas, for New Year's, you know, celebrating with my teammates, the mountain guides, the locals, the, the supporters, and just be out there, be up there. Yeah. And it turned out that the only other person who booked the same trip as me pulled out about a week or two before the trip. So I was going to go by myself. Because I was going to go by myself, this, uh, this company didn't send uh, a Western guide with me. They hooked me up with um, a, a local company. And, um, you know, the guide was eating, like, really nice real food. And I had this de horrible dehydrated food. <laughs> the guy didn't even have uh, an altitude or sports watch. Um, so I had to, um, I had to wake us up every morning. Uh, we didn't have a wow. weather forecast, so we were checking the uh, the um, the pressure on my watch to figure out what the what the weather was what the weather forecast was going to be. And um, I didn't really feel 100% confident and comfortable. And I remember most of the Westerner teams uh, stopped at uh, Camp 3. And we decided to go up to Camp 4. Uh, Camp 4 is called uh, Cholera. And we <laughs> were the only team from that side of the mountain. And another team came up from the other side of the mountain. And you spend the night there in the middle of the night. As usual, you wake up, you um, make food, you make some tea, and then you set off. Now, I remember the whole night, it was so stormy and windy. And we woke up um, around maybe midnight-ish, 1 a.m., and we zipped open the tent. There was this full-on blizzard outside. And we could see a couple of people, a couple of climbers from the other team setting up for the summit. And we're like, okay, let's just wait and see what happens. And we left really, really late for the summit um, because we didn't want to set off in that blizzard. Mm. And... Um, I remember as the two of us were climbing up, um, this other team, their climbers were coming back and you want to get some good news, you know, you want to, you want to be happy yeah. for someone that they've already been to the top and they've seen this and that and great and they were like, 
nope, they didn't even get to, you know, and any high points or they just turned around and were like, okay, here we go. Uh, we're just, we're just going to give it a try and we're going to get as far as we can. And I remember there was a point where I started feeling a little bit weak and just, just what you said that, what am I doing here? <laughs> Seriously, it's, uh, my, my body started uh, showing me size of, um, of altitude that we are now at a high altitude. And, Do you know how high you um, were here? Do you know what height so, you were? So this would have been around maybe six, 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 seven, going into six, eight, six thousand eight hundred meters. And I don't take Dymox. Dymox is a pill that masks the altitude um, symptoms. Yeah. And I remember back at the hotel, um, I spoke to my mountain guide and I said to him, look, I didn't even bring any with me um, because I don't want to take it. I know some people go on like Dymox course even before they fly out on the expedition. But I'm like, no, I, I, I really don't want to. Yeah. But if I do need half a Dymox or a Dymox on summit night, would you have some with you? And he said, of course, no problem. So this was like a, an agreement that if I need that little boost, he would give me half sure. a pill or, or a Dymox. And, and that just, just if I need it to. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So anyway, we are now, um, we are now hiking and, and, Everything kind of the, the previous two weeks playing on my mind, um, how this mountain guide was behaving with me and his inappropriate uh, comments oh, and um, what a struggle it's been and how all the other teams did not even come up to hiking because they knew it better and there I was again battling in this like in horrible conditions. And that was the first time, that was the first expedition that I had um, supporters and, and partners and sponsors and I had their logos on my jacket. And I remember... The pressure. I remember when it got like really, really tough and, and I looked down on my jackets and I saw the logos, I saw their logos and I transported myself to back in the UK when I'm meeting with these people, when I'm telling them about my experiences, when I'm showing them pictures from my previous expeditions, and everyone's so excited for me and interested in my trips and, and what I'm doing. And honestly, that was the single thing that got me through. Like every step I thought, I'm doing this for you guys. I'm doing this for my friends, for my families, for all the people back home thinking about me. Uh, wishing me good luck and that mountain was for them I would have not I would have not quit that expedition um, and it was really such a huge huge help huge boost to to get me through that really really horrible period and then we get to our last kind of break point after this is the summit and we both sit down and at this point, we're not even talking to the guide. And I'm quite a chatty person. And I, <laughs> I, I, I like to think I'm quite friendly and open and honest. And, and there was this person that I didn't even want to be on the mountain Aww. with. But he was my guide. I had no choice. 
And I remember we sat down and I've, I've asked for, when I was going through this really horrible period, I, I've asked for half a Dymux because he had them on yeah. me. I didn't have any on me. And he would refuse. He would say, Alex, if you want to take a Dymux now, we will turn around. This this mountain is enough for you. This is, And he was feeding me with all these negative wow. thoughts. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. So at this last stop, we have the summit pretty much behind us. And at this last stop, he taps my shoulder. And I turn around and he's got, he's got half a Dymox in his palm. And I take the pill. And Fleur, the next thing I know is we are, I am behind him and I am like a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) I am pushing this guy up the mountain. And probably, I would would say that this last section was a bit technical and, you know, we had crampons and it was icy and and that's when I'm in my element, you know, that's when I'm having fun, not on the dry, rocky stuff that we were on the previous week. So I, I was in my element and I absolutely loved it. And we got to the top and on the on the summit of Aconcagua, you have you always have a ranger, but the conditions were so bad at the time there were not even rangers on the top. And we were the last people summiting for the rest of the season, nobody summited the mountain. Wow. What does a ranger do at the top? Just hangs out. <laughs> Yeah, they, they hang out uh, and basically when they think that the conditions are not um, not good enough for, for the climbers, they basically call it a, you know, that, that day. But wow. they weren't even on there the day before. So we went up. Um, I put my trust in my guide and I think he had to put some sort of trust in me as well that I can for make sure. it to the top. Yeah. And we did. And... It was a little bit sad to see all the other climbers that they not even getting to the top and also the the mountain to to shut down for the rest of the season because yeah. of the of the weather conditions. But I really, really happy and you know, you learn a lot from these trips. When things don't go as planned, when you have to face some really serious mental and uh, and, and physical challenges that's when you learn so much more about yourself and uh, about from the experience as well. I was going to say, what would you say was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself from, well, not just from that experience, but from some of your other experiences as well? The biggest thing I learned about myself is is I guess the strength that we have inside. Mm. Um, And, you know, when we are challenged in life, um, in our relationship, um, at our workplace, uh, marathon, dig deep. And... And for me, you know, um, being on the mountains, of course, I go, I go on the mountains because of the beauty, because of nature. I hope it's not going to sound like a cliche, but to test myself. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I'm, um... And to see really how much strength you have and, 
you know, once you've done an expedition that really, you you really like put it out there yeah. and you'll really leave it out on the trails, on the ski slopes, on the mountain. Next time when you face something similar, you can, you can draw from that experience. Mm. I think I remember telling you last time about the experience when I when I first went up the Agui de Midi in Chamonix and I hadn't really skied that much um, powder at all like I had race skied before that but I had snowboarded for the three previous years and then my friends got me into skiing and then they were like right we're going up the Agri de Midi. I just thought it was a ski lift. <laughs> and I was like, cool, let's go. And then he's like, right, this is what you need. Put this harness on, take all this kit, uh, grab your skis, um, and off we go. And I was like, what? Like, what? what is it that we're doing? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I got you. Like, just, just come with me. You'll be fine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so so naive to the whole situation my mum hopefully my mum doesn't listen to this but and and we got to the top and I was like this ice cave and I was like whoa this is amazing and I was just and you see the site and obviously you can see a little bit of Mont Blanc from there too and I was like whoa like this is next level and Chamonix is beautiful in itself anyway but from from there it's unreal and then we got to the part where there's the gate that you have to open to actually get onto the ridge. And he's like, right, hook, hooks me up to like his, his rope and he hooks himself up. And I was like, okay, so I'm just going to follow you down here. And there's no rope to hold on to. It was literally just, it was right at the start of the season where it's just, you know, um, well, death on your left side and, half death on your right side and and I was like what we're just walking down here and I didn't know any better because I'd never seen it roped up so I just figured that was normal and there was no track there was no like digging like no one had dug it out and I was like okay and then he said he said if you if I fall off then you have to jump the other way or it was the other way or he said if you fall I will just jump the other way and I was like you're kidding are you kidding <laughs> and he was like no I'm not kidding and I and I literally I was like oh my god like what am I what are you what am I doing and I was like what like where are we even skiing like where are we going um and I know that that moment of just like like fear but like excitement as well like that strange connection of like, oh my gosh, I'm way out of my comfort zone, but right. I'm so excited, let's do it anyway. <laughs> and um, I mean, luckily I was, I'm pretty stable on my feet and it was deep powder. So it was kind of like, okay, well, if, if anything happens, I'm just, I'm just going to dig everything that I can in, right? And okay, I trusted yeah, him yeah. too. And then we got to the, the bottom and he's like, right, um, now we're off, we're going to put the skis on, um, and we're going to go over this next ridge. And instead of skiing the most crevassed place, which I was like, great, like the least crevasses, the better. Um, but we're going to ski the steeper section that like the steepest section that you can ski. And I was like, OK, cool. That's fine. Like, I'm, I'm happy with with steep. And we got to the top and it was literally like a drop off. 
Um, and I was like, I'm not going first down here. Like, I've never done this. And he's like, just at the bottom, there's a Bergstrom. So just make sure you don't hit the Bergstrom. And then you hit like the, the snow bridge that's slightly on the left. And I was like, okay, brilliant. Like, never skied on a glacier in my life. <laughs> there's no one else around. There's literally no one around. I mean, it's a beautiful day, but there's no one around. And uh, the two boys that were more experienced, less in skiing, but more in mountaineering, went first. And they both bailed. They both bailed down this 45-degree slope towards the Bergstrom. And I was just like, oh my looking at them going, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? What am I doing? I thought that they were really good skiers. Um, I mean, they weren't bad, but I guess I was probably better on my feet. So at that point, I was like, I am not. There is no falling happening here. We are going. Because um, you can't go back. There's no turning back. You can't exactly just be like, yeah, let's turn around. Like, you, you don't have the choice. It's like you go down and, and you keep going until you get to the bottom, however long that takes. Um, so I know that that feeling of of the fear but the, yeah. the the comfort zone and out the comfort zone and I thrive on that too like I notice now like even just yeah. kite surfing I'm like oh there's like a wave coming oh it's like it's it's scary but then when you get to it and you're yeah. like yes I, I'm still alive it's good oh my god the buzz the buzz you get from um, yeah from these experiences and the, doing these sports and being in the mountains or doing extreme sports like and then you mentioned skiing and I, I know exactly what you mean um I, I always joke, um, well, they think I'm joking. Since I moved here, of course, you know, living in living in summers, living in the Swiss Alps, you have to learn to ski, you have to ski or snowboard yeah. here. So the reason I learned or relearned to ski here is so I can go ski touring with, with friends. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm learning on the piss. It's not for me, but that's, it's right now, it's a good place. Yeah, good place to got to learn. start there. <laughs> and... And when, when people invite me skeetering, I'm like, um, you know, I go up anything. Because <laughs> they know my mountaineering experience. They're like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. I'm like, I go up anything, but I'm not having issues coming down. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, no, you'll be fine. I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> I seriously go up anything, any mountain, but I don't know how you're going to get me down on <laughs> yeah. the skis. But again, you know, you're constantly learning. And, 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 once you, you know, I'm now very, very confident doing snowshoe tours here. You know, I'm a, I'm a mountain guide. I'm a mountain leader. I'm so confident doing these snowshoe tours. But after this, in, after this chat with you, I'm going ski touring with a friend, and I'm, and I've got the bus. Like, oh, come on, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. But this is, this is sometimes you have to do that. You have to leave your comfort zone, and you have to do something that just scares you a little bit yeah and you've got to follow through too it's all about the follow through there's no point getting scared and then going nah not gonna do it you gotta you just gotta do it and you grow you grow so much in those moments it's yeah it's next level it it really is like you I don't even know how anyone lives life in their comfort zone anymore (laughs) like god you gotta do something gotta do something you know the the beauty about being a mountain leader is now I get to share mm. my passion with other people. Yeah. I get to be the person 
who take people out on a snowshoe tour and I would plan a tour, I would plan a route that I know where, you know, we go up a little bit and we pop up, there's a clearing, they're going to see this beautiful lake in the background and the mountains and I get to challenge people now, <laughs> revenge time, <laughs> no, 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 uh, it's that I get to share with other people, I get to show other people what it is that they strap on the snowshoes uh, or we jump on the fat bike and it is out of their comfort zone it's not their normal you know it is my normal life now yeah but it's not there you know they might be coming from a big city they might just be here for the weekend or for a week or two they might be taking a break from skiing they want to do something different and I get to show I get to share these experiences with them and it's just so beautiful. Life is so beautiful, you know. Before, I would be going on these expeditions with experienced mountain guides and, you know, guys who climbed Everest seven times or been on 8,000 meter peaks or, you know, all these really super experienced people and, and I, I, I get to do that with others and it's, it's really, really cool. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good to see your passion in it as well. Love it. Um, okay, tell us, tell us the most scariest moment of your life. Again, <laughs> if it's not, if it's not the one that I remember, you can you can share another one too. But you have to add that one in because it's too good to miss. Okay, um, I think well, one of the one of the real scariest stuff was coming down from Mount Denali um, in North America, one of my seven summits. And um, the, the summit wasn't, for once, wasn't it in white. It was actually a really beautiful day, but the storm was coming in and we knew that. Um, and on our way down, there was a whiteout. And you are, you know, you're in the... There are crevasses everywhere. You rock together with your team, but there are crevasses mm. everywhere. And one of the big things that they tell you is, is is the rock fall. So it does happen quite often. And it did happen to us. And I remember it was a whiteout. So you had to use different senses, okay? You can't really see much, but you feel the cold, you feel the ground, uh, you feel the mountain beneath you, and you feel the rope jerking, and you almost feel the tension and and the fear in your teammates when the rope yeah, stretches jump. or the rope goes tight. Um, and I remember listening to this rumbling noise. It was like an earthquake. It was like the, the earth was just moving around you and you can't see a thing. You, you you don't see what's happening around you and that was so scary. And you could you could feel that your teammates were scared too because some carried on um some carried on and some stopped. So you feel like oh, oh what's yeah. going on? Um, how far apart um, are you roped up? How what's the distance between you guys? Oh, good question. I think we were, that's a really good question. Um, maybe five meters, I oh, would yeah. say, around okay. five meters, yeah. And you probably us. couldn't see what further than a meter ahead of you or something. I, I, I couldn't even see my teammates. I couldn't even yeah. see the person in yeah, front of yeah, me yeah. or behind me. It was that kind of white yeah. out. And then when the rockfall happened, um, 
I really was scared. And, you know, I after that, I climbed Everest um, and we were doing the Hillary step. We had to go through the Kumbu Icefall three times. And I never felt that scared um, as, 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 as in that, 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 moment. that moment. But, you know, we had um, a pretty successful Everest expedition. Um, I climbed it in 2018 and I climbed with a team and with a guide who I completely trust. Mike was my Vincent guide. And so we were on Antarctica together. And this is also very important on the mountain, I think, to go with yeah. people that you trust. You know, when, pardon for my French, but when shit hits the fan, yeah, you, you want to be. to be in the best hands. And the reason I've been training myself so much is because I want people to know when they come here, when they come to the Swiss Alps, and when they come they um, hiking with me, snowshoeing with me, mountain biking with me, that they are in safe hands. Um, so that so many lessons learned on the mountains, but you know, I guess all the seven summits, everything probably just a big learning curve for Everest and you want that expedition to go well, you want to stay healthy, you want to stay happy, you want to be there mentally and physically and you want the summit night um, also to be like, because it will be the, the night, the day that you will remember for the rest of your life mm -hmm. and of course all the other summits too. Yeah, for sure. And I think the worst thing about Rockfall is that it, like, the sound just goes off everything. So it's like you don't actually know where it's coming from. You've got no, you've got no where to, even if you can't see, like, you just don't know. It could be on top of your head. It could be behind you. It could be to the left, your right. Beneath you, you've got no idea. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just have to trust the mountain that it's going to look after you and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. And... Um... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and these things happen, you know. Um, sure. And this is something that we mentioned earlier, that it will be out of your control. Yeah. You know, you can, you can, you can, there are a number of things you can control. Your health, you know, to stay, um, stay um, kind of expedition ready and injury free yeah um and you can shut out some negative thoughts and negative yeah. comments and just to be you know you can do all of these things yeah you can um you can uh you can be on these expeditions and make it your own you know you, you but there are certain things that are completely out of control yeah. and this rock fall was 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 one of them Unfortunately, but I'm glad I experienced it. It's uh, you know it makes a good story, and if I think about the Denali climb, Mount um, Makili, it was an incredible place to be in. It just shows how live the mountains are around you. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, they are. They're moving, aren't they? Consistently. Okay, well let's um, let's finish off. Why don't you just give us like your best best bit of advice for for our listeners who are listening to you today? Maybe they're avid mountain climbers. Maybe they're women who've never stepped foot in the mountains before or never even stepped foot doing an adventure and it scares the living daylights out of them. What's a, <laughs> what's a piece of advice that, you would, that you'd give to one of our listeners? Um, 
I would say that struggling in life will 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 make you stronger. Um, don't don't use it as an excuse. You know, don't use it as an excuse when you want to pursue your dreams. Um, it will make you stronger. You know, whatever problems, issues, challenges, life throws at you, you, it will, everything will make you stronger and will make you stronger towards your dreams. And yeah. don't come off that path, okay? And it doesn't matter how small or big your dreams are. Yeah, I love that. I was sharing that the other day with someone that whatever your dream or your goal is or wherever it is that you want to go, you, you're only going to try and you're, you're probably going to fail. In fact, you're most likely going to fail. If you're not going to fail, then you're a unicorn, um, which is very rare. But the failure is all part of the journey. It's all part of the fun. Like, don't see it as failure. See it as growth and see it as making you a better person and a more confident person and someone who's been through more in life because that's how you become the person that you are and in fact most people aren't going to get to where they want to be without some serious challenges along the way so um make the most of them and try and see them for their opportunities rather than the challenges or the the failures as you might currently um envision them so yeah awesome absolutely and you know at the time they suck you know it sucks yeah, not getting sure. to the top it sucks not getting a job um or anything that people deal with in their in their daily lives, but but we can't give up and 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 at the time you may not see that that light, but when you look back, you think I had to go through that experience because that experience shaped me to who I am today, yeah, and made me the strong person I am today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right yeah it's so true and there's so much going on in the world still at the moment and so many people who feel like you know everything's going wrong everything's couldn't really be going any worse but it is building you up to be a better and stronger person and as long as you stay within your values and you're living life in alignment with what you're wanting to do rather than trying to please other people or do things because other people are saying that it's right then you will get there and the universe will do the things in your favours because it sees that you're you're true to your word and you know that you you're going for what it is that you want. So just remember that that the universe will always back you up or your faith, your God. You know, I was actually gonna say that earlier about you and um your family and thinking I'm doing this, I'm doing uh, this mountain for my sponsors, for the people that I'm going back to, for my family, for my friends who are supporting me. And I think there's a, a message that comes across in a lot of these podcasts is that people forget about why they're doing it for themselves and think about the, the other reasons, maybe why they're doing it or what, what, what it's for or who it's for or who's pushing them along the journey and whether that is whoever you know your friends your family maybe you're doing it for someone who's passed away or maybe you think that that's just your purpose in life and that's what you've got to do and and you have faith that someone out there is going to help you pull forward that I think there's a lot of um 
a lot of common threads in in that is that we forget about ourselves and we do it because we know that that's just what we need to do right I completely agree and you know it's so easy to have an excuse oh I'm too tired I haven't got the money I don't think I'm fit enough um so easy to not to pursue our dreams or 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 a crazy project or something we want to do simply because we think oh no uh, I've just uh, this is my excuse I I I don't think I have time for it or um, I don't think I can, you know, I want to spend my savings on it or I don't think um, um, I'm, I'm strong enough to do that. All these excuses um, are, yeah, yeah, we have to learn Just to excuses. live without them. <laughs> <laughs> excuses are excuses. That's all they are, right? Yeah. They live in the excuses box and... <laughs> Shouldn't come out, but sometimes they just creep out and sometimes you've got to shut the lid back on them. Oh, thanks so much, lovely. Um, really lovely to have another podcast with you and get to see your face this time. So um, I'm so happy that you're enjoying your life in Switzerland and having a great time over there. And yeah, I'm really stoked for you. Thank you so much. And I, I listen to your podcast when I do these hikes and I'm out on my own in the mountains. I listen to all the amazing, um, all the amazing women that you, uh, that you interviewed and just gives me, yeah, like, it gives me like a really, really nice feeling that, um, that, like getting to know these people a little bit through your podcast and 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 the things and I learned so much from them as well. You know, we are on this journey and we we don't just learn from ourselves. We we learn from other stories, other people. And I love your podcast and thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Thanks, lovely. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience, and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.